0: Welcome to another fantastic week of the Fiber Coven Podcast. I'm Lauren. And I'm Emily. And we're here to talk with you about some witchy stuff and some yarny stuff. Hooray! Yay! We kick it off with a little bit of news. Take it away, Emily. I have a art show that you
1: could come see me at. It's in my hometown of Louisville, Kentucky, and it's called Spring into Derby at Paris Town, and it's in the Paris Town area over by the cafe. And it's an outside uh, show. And it looks like it's supposed to be nice during that weekend, which is April 22nd through the 24th. So fingers crossed that the weather is going to be nice and sunny and won't rain on me my first time using my tent (laughs) at a show. Mm -hmm. Um, I will have all of the pins and stickers. I will also have some limited original arts on hand. And, uh, yeah, come see me and bonus. If you're a fan of my old podcast, F this net, uh, Amber is going to be assisting me in the booth on Sunday. So you can come
0: and see me and Amber if you want. Excellent. I wish I could come. Yeah. Sweet. Speaking of original art, you want to start off finished objects by showing us your art? Yeah. Yeah. I've, I, uh, my knitting has been less because I
1: wanted to have some original arts in my uh, art booths because people, <laughs> people ask me if like I have drawn what is on the pins and stickers, like kind of a lot. Um, I think mm-hmm. people just like, don't understand where art comes from. Like, even if something isn't a handmade object, if it has like an illustration on it, someone somewhere drew it. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to have some original physical handmade arts at my booths, because I think that will make it a little bit more apparent that I am the human drawing stuff. And it's kind of fun to, I, I have been wanting to do more, like physical art stuff. And we'll talk about this in acquisitions later, but I got some paints and uh, (laughs) it'll be nice to have like a place to possibly sell some and not just like acquire physical arts, because that has been an issue when I have made physical art in the past, like on canvases, I'll just like have canvases of art that I'm like, these aren't good enough to sell. And I don't know what to do with these. And then they just sit in my closet and it's terrible. So here are my mini arts that I have been drawing. Uh, so they're all on just watercolor paper. And mm-hmm. I've been doing watercolor backgrounds and then drawing on them with my fountain pen. Uh, <laughs> I'm using my Twisby Eco. And nice. uh, this one's a little emperor moth.
0: And it has a nice pastel background, kind of pastel, uh, faint stripes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I have this bat. I love the bat and it's like bright pink around the edges and it fades into light pink and it's a little wrapped up fruit bat. Yeah, he's cute. Um, and these
1: are all that same medium I mentioned that they have the watercolor background and the kind of sketchy. It's a raccoon. Yeah, he's so chonky. I like him. He's a little he raccoon. He's chonky as hands. He's a chonk. Um, he's mm-hmm. got like a blue fading into green watercolor mm-hmm. background. And this, this art is kind of a similar style to the Power of the Full Moon Club postcards mm-hmm. that I made. Fox. A fox. He's got like an orange outline mm-hmm. into light orange background. And so cute.
0: This guy I made last night. Frog. He's, He's green. He's green. It's very good. All of these have really nice texture to them. Thank you.
1: Yeah, I'm really, I enjoy the frogs little warty wrinkle Mm -hmm. reptile texture he's got going on Mm -hmm. they're all very nice yeah so I'll have those um I haven't totally decided what I'm going to price them yet I've been bothering all my friends asking (laughs) what Mm -hmm. they would like buy them for because like it's so hard to price your own art like that Mm -hmm. like it varies wildly in what people will charge for that kind of thing so Lauren had the idea of getting frames to put them in which I don't think I'm going to have time to do for the show I have this weekend but I might have time to do before the uh spring into derby one that I mentioned so Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. yeah 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 just to my little lizard brain frame says original art just sitting in a sleeve on a you know in a stand makes me think it's a print
1: yeah I mean I'll have a sign that says original art but I totally get Mm -hmm. that they would have to read that to figure out Mm -hmm. yeah so those those are my little arts that I've made I finished two
0: knit things this week I know what one of them is I finished my yoga socks oh yeah so these turned out really good they're knee-high yoga socks for practicing yoga when it's cold they don't have a toe or a heel so that uh you can get a good little grip um, and they're ribbed through the foot section and the ankle. And then I followed Emily's witches Brew pattern for the cap increases. And then I have a little contrasting cuff. And these are made out of Haverland yarns on the Solderly Sock Base, which is her PFL base. And this was a Starship Troopers inspired one. Which is nice. nice. One of my favorite 90s cult classics. And actually... I haven't posted to social media about it, but I did just post on Patreon uh, the kind of a basic recipe for how I did this if anybody wants to make these. Nice. That's very Mm -hmm. nice of you. Yeah. Yeah. So I will be posting all about that on the internet when we're done recording. Nice. And then... I also finished another one of your patterns. It's a baby hat. Hey, it's so small. <laughs> it is so small. It near okay. It's not that small. Like I could. Yeah, yeah. The oh. the
1: cables swoop it in. Right?
0: The co- the cables swoop it in. Like mm-hmm. I can fit. Like I I'm I will not fit on a baby your, head. Oh, of course. Like I have two of my like delicate lady fists in here, and it's not even stretching the ribbing. So I think it'll be a really good size baby hat. I have a new grand nibbling that is due in the summer. So by the time it needs a hat, it will be several months old. And I did your comfort zone hat. It's like Um, a little mini comfort zone. It is. So I did the large size, but on fingering weight and size twos. And other than that, I followed the instructions and it turned out really cute. I think this is going to be really nice. And I think it's going to like, maybe even like, because it's it's nice and stretchy. Like this might like last more than one season or at least the entire like winter, fall and winter and spring that this mm-hmm. new little person is a new little person. Nice. I kind of want to make more of these. Cause That's it went cute. I knit it in like a couple days and it was just like really gratifying and sweet. And I sent a picture to my niece and she thinks it looks cute and I'm excited. Yay. That's fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's what I finished. Nice. Um, what have you been working on? Um, a couple
1: things. I have my vanilla socks that I had actually started last time we recorded, but had like three rows of ripping and forgot to show them, but here they Mm -hmm. are. Now you have a noticeable leg. I do. These are in nitpick stroll in the game over colorway. They look um, kind of 80s. Or Felici, not Stroll, sorry. Yeah. yeah, they look very 80s. I think that they're inspired by BMO from Adventure Time mm-hmm. because it's very BMO colors. And these are going to be gift socks for my friend Trevin. I'm making some socks for various friends. And the nitpicks, who
0: plays the saxophone.
1: Yes. I remember things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Felici has some like blue- accidental dye on some of the mm-hmm. other stripes which is something that happens with felici occasionally i'm sure if i complain to nitpicks they would fix they would like offer me a new yarn or a refund but i don't really care it kind of just looks like whatever speckles mm-hmm. if i was particularly fussy i might be mad like you can see in there
0: mm-hmm.
1: but like it happens often enough that I, it's fine I think I'd be yeah. more mad if it was just like one really dark spot in a thing but like mm-hmm. whatever so that's that little vanilla sock it will get more work done on it tonight when we go to a friend's music
0: event very nice, very nice.
1: and then the other thing I have worked on is the <gasps> cotton candy version of
0: the macaroon box shawl it's growing it's so pretty it is very much cotton candy colored. yeah the i like of it's all pinky and now it's all blue and white
1: very it nice. is a very
0: baby pink yeah so
1: i like how the waffle texture is looking in the, mm-hmm. the main color of the poly pocket mm-hmm. by junkyard it, it's very lovely yeah so it's fun i like it
0: you're flapping it all over your chest right now. It's very funny. And, uh,
1: I'm pretty much just going to keep doing what I'm doing until I run out of this cake of yarn. So
0: are you going to have to do anything at the edge? So it doesn't curl or is the waffle pattern pretty, uh, does it lie flat?
1: Um, I'm probably going to do just a couple rows of garter and that will be plenty. It lies flatter than stockinette, but not as flat as garter, if that makes sense, Mm -hmm. because it's basically like alternating stockinette and garter to create the waffle. Um, Mm -hmm. So it, it has, it's pretty good, but it does have like a bit of a curl on Mm -hmm. it. Um, So I'll probably just do like three or four rows of plain garter at the end to solve Mm -hmm. that problem. Um, It has a garter salvage. It has like a little garter, plain garter border, and then the slip stitch for the selvage. So that will match the selvage and work out just fine. Nice. Mm I love it.
0: What are you working on aside from all your Mm -hmm. finished objects? I know. Well, that was the majority of it. I have my Northeasterly blanket, which I didn't drag over because my cat is busy uh, being entertained by it on the living room floor because I'm a bad person. He's not very destructive of knits. He just likes to lay on them but I did manage to turn the heel on my uh, Luthian socks yay yeah so I have a cute little heel turn uh the sock looks really good it's not too much different than when you saw it last week but uh now that you sent me the gusset pattern I will get back to work on these
1: hooray yeah and mm-hmm. don't just like space into the gusset like try and read the pattern and make sure that where I put like where you join the yarn and stuff makes sense because that was I'm going to do it for my second sock too, just to make sure that I'm, I didn't mess something up.
0: Yeah. I'll, I was thinking about that. I'll, I'll talk about it with you after. <laughs> after the record. Oh, okay. You don't like, like how I did I, it. No, no, no. I, I honestly haven't looked at it yet. I was just thinking about uh, where the yarn is and where it will be and, and things I have. Not... I have in theory accounted for that. Okay. In the pattern. Good. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we are working. I am test knitting this beautiful colorwork socks. It's reminiscent of Elvish architecture and it's really pretty. It's designed for self-striping and a contrasting color. Yes. And Emily's are light and feminine and elfy, and mine are like dark and woodsy. Yeah. And I haven't worked on mine because I finished writing the
1: pattern for someone (laughs) who needed the rest of the pattern, I guess.
0: (laughs) I'm sorry. I work on it. No, it was good. I needed to do it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I really like the slip stitch heel, it was really clever. Thank you. (laughs) You're like, it's my job to be clever.
1: Sometimes I come up with good ideas. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. Yes. Yes. We'll say, I, while well, I was spinning this week, I know I said this to you, I'm going to say it for the internet. I listened to the Tom Bombadil chapter of Fellowship of the Ring, like high off my gourd. And I think that's the way the professor meant that chapter to be experienced. Mm-hmm. And I was doing audiobooks, So it was like, somebody told me the story and like, I've read this in Malarian, and I like understood everything. And I, like Tom Bombadil was talking about like the shape of the universe and I understood it because I've read the similar and I was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. Cause I was extremely stoned. <laughs> it was great. 10 out of 10 highly recommend the Tom Bombadil chapter that way. Nice. Awesome. That was my little of the Rings rant and uh, that's all I've really been knitting on. Sweet. <laughs> mm-hmm. I did acquire things. I usually don't acquire things, but I have acquired so much. (laughs) (laughs) I asked some coven members if they had any DK scraps to send me and I've started receiving some and some lovely human sent me just like tons and tons of beautiful hand spun. It was an entire like enormous package of like over half of a kilo of hand spun. And this is just a little bit of it right here. And it's all like super even gorgeous DK. A lot of it's got a little sparkle in it, which I love. I do love a little sparkle in my spins and it's really rad. And I've been chatting with that person on our discord and I'm going to make them some fiber next week. That's exciting uh, to pay them back for their generosity. Cause it is kind of a swap deal going on, but yeah, it's making me very happy. And then I got a second package right before we recorded, uh, I got a whole baggie here of more DK scraps. I'm so excited to work these into the blanket. Nice. Oh, and then I also got a sweet card from a friend with some original art. She she does some art too. And this is a little Akita dog. And, you know, our dog just passed, but she, she's really sweet. She made us this little thing to remember him by, which was good because we don't we didn't like do anything ahead of time because we weren't thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have this. I want to get a little frame for it. And she also sent me some seeds from her garden. Oh, that's nice. Um, and I'm going to plant them by his grave marker. And I Aww. think it'll be really sweet. That is that was really a really sweet, sweet gift. Mm-hmm. What all did you get? I got some art supplies. Art supplies. We love art supplies.
1: We do. Um, sorry, I have a crinkly bag. Um, so I had a crinkly bag too. I've been doing those, uh, arts on uh, little watercolor pads, which if you aren't familiar with watercolor, you need to tape it down to your work surface when you work with it. Otherwise it like bubbles up and crinkles and wrinkles. Uh, but I am lazy and I like these watercolor pads, uh, that mm-hmm. are secured on the long edges on two sides. So you don't have to tape it down. You just paint directly on top of the thing. Um, They're also like pretty thick paper so that they don't run through to the paper underneath, um, which is nice because then it's like a nice thick paper for the art Mm -hmm. to be on. Um, So I got this and this is a four by six to make just really small things. I got an eight by 10 of the same company. And then I also got this one, which is eight and a half by 11.7, which is a weird size, I'm probably gonna cut this um to be mm-hmm. eight by ten because that's I got some sleeves to and like boards to package things on that are eight by ten. But this is black.
0: And it's watercolor, or is it just black paper?
1: No, it's watercolor paper. Um, mm-hmm. but <laughs> I got it because I also have bought some paint. I bought whole bean artist gouache. Um nice. so the gouache will show Mm -hmm. up on the black um, because gouache is a very matte, opaque paint. And this is a paint that I use a lot in college. Um, It's probably the paint that I use the most in college. Um, A lot of scenic design costume people use this type of paint. Uh, But I've never actually owned my own gouache paints. I always like use the schools. Um, Mm -hmm. So I haven't worked with it in a really long time, uh, but I thought it might be fun to use it. And I'm not going to be able to re-put that together. So I'm just put that there. (laughs) Uh, I thought it might be fun to like, do uh, like my more cartoony illustrative style in the gouache rather than trying to like realistically render with it. Like I did once in college. Mm -hmm. And then I have a little baggie of little things. I got some brushes. They're just brushes. Mm -hmm. They're not that exciting. I got, uh, masking fluid, Mm -hmm. uh, for yonder wash and watercolors uh, because I didn't currently own any because mine had gone bad long ago. And then these are fun pens. <sighs> Come out of there, fun pens. Uh, so I oh my got- my gosh, you went crazy. Yeah, this is two trips to the art store. I got these tapestry needles that uh-huh. were in like the craft section because they were a dollar and they're really nice. Oh. Yeah, like, for weaving. see that ends in yarn tapestry needles. And that's a thing that I like lose all the time because they like fall out of bags or whatever.
0: You want to hear something crazy? Hmm. I have had the same tapestry needle since high school.
1: I have one that is one from high school too. That was like my one and I will occasionally lose it and then find it again. Uh, But they do sometimes like pop out of a zipper or something, even when I have Mm -hmm. them in my little couch. And I just, I like to keep one in my sock project bag, even if I already have another one on my per- person. So I like having mm-hmm. extras of them. Uh, mm-hmm. This is pink of the gouache because mm-hmm. I am lazy and didn't want to have to mix a pink every time I want to use a pink, which is a lot. And then I got some fun neon lay pens. Nice. These nice. These are just felt tip pens that I like to use. Mm-hmm. I'm probably going to use them to write my thank you notes on orders. Do
0: you, do you have an ink spill on your finger? Yes, I, I just do. saw it on the screen just so you don't like get it on your yarn or something.
1: yeah it's from my fountain pen earlier okay. Okay. um thank you and then i got a couple posca pens oh yeah i've never used these but mm-hmm. the internet and several people i know are obsessed with them uh they're pretty expensive to get like a whole set of colors so i just got white and black in the mm-hmm. fine and ultra fine And I might use them for, like, outlines on, like, the gouache paintings, potentially. I also got the white because I might do price signs on, like, Mm -hmm. black paper for shows sometimes. Mm -hmm. So those are my random art supplies. Hooray. Hooray. Go back in the bag. Random art supplies. The tube of pink paint is hilariously like twice the size
0: of the other paints I got because the ones in the set are smaller. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think you'll use it. I do too. <laughs> awesome. I guess we can talk about our occult corner topic now. Yeah. And actually, uh, this is the one, one you came up with. So, uh, I- I'm told I c- I'm going to be told a story today. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I do have some opinions though, <laughs> you have some opinions. Nice. I do. I'm basically just giving the brief history of this thing and uh, what's in it and what it is and yeah, it's it's a whole tale. Uh, it's bad. It's bad. <laughs> so we're talking about the Malleus Maleficarium, uh, which, if you don't know what that is, it is a pamphlet. It's a, it's like a historical writing, uh, and we're going to talk about why we're talking about it and what it is. Um, So if you don't know what it is, it has influenced a lot of what our current culture and cultures before us have thought about witchcraft. So we'll talk about exactly where that comes from. But basically this thing was published in 1486. uh, And in the late middle ages, Uh, before this was published witchcraft was generally very discouraged belief in magic was considered to be heresy uh, but it was not considered to be satanism or Or a capital crime yeah or really related to the devil at all there are instances of it being a capital crime before this but this was like a really prominent writing that really (laughs) elaborates vibrantly
0: about how it is a capital (laughs) crime. (laughs) Some things that I saw kind of indicated that before the publication of this book, the majority of the time someone was accused of witchcraft, it was punishable by some time in the stocks or some like public, you know, some non lethal public penitence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. And even the Inquisition regarding witchcraft was really focused on eradicating religious unorthodoxy and was generally more restricted than what we commonly think of because there's so much dra- dramatization of like the uh, Inquisition and witches in film and uh, TV and books but mostly the inquisition thought that witchcraft was a superstition or didn't exist there are like i said there are definitely examples that are uh not that. like there there was a pretty famous one in spain where they burned seven people but generally before this publication it was like that's heresy. That's paganism. That's not cool, but not you are worshiping the devil and we have to like kill you. So, uh, the Malleus Maleficarum, um, which translates to Hammer of Witches, was published in 1486. And it is really the source that the main thing, it, it did two big things. One of them is it associated witchcraft with devil worship. It This is the point where witchcraft is a anti-religion, right? Like it is a it, but prior to this, it's like kind of a different religion that we don't agree with, but this mm-hmm. is the point where it is specifically like antithetical and like fighting Christianity.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And this is also really a point where the fact that witches are mostly women is like really hard-coded. It is not the origin of that. That's always been around, right? Since like Eve ate the apple. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. that's a whole thing. Uh, but it is very hard line on that to a degree that not many publications were previously.
0: And yes. this is also around the time that printing came into being. And so it was a, a codification of a commonly held belief
1: Yes, and that is so. This was really popular um, for a period of time, and that is why um, Gutenberg invented the printing press like 30 years after this, and then it got widespread publication after that. So this is also the point where previously to this, witches in like general thoughts were like communing with deities, kind of more more like how we think of witchcraft today, where you're like working with a deity, but. In the malice maleficarum, it is very much like a witch is Satan's puppet and is like being used by Satan as opposed to like pagans who are just like out there paganing mm-hmm. and like maybe working with things as opposed to being like controlled by or a subordinate of an entity. Mm-hmm. So it was written by two inquisitors, Heinrich Kramer and Jacob Sprenger.
0: Mm-hmm
1: has been officially condemned by the catholic church and it was officially condemned by the catholic church like while those two guys were still alive Uh, but Mm -hmm. it was still used by catholics and protestants for like almost two centuries after it was condemned and quote unquote
0: but it did also have like a decree essentially from pope innocent the eighth in there that was I deem these two authors to be inquisitors of the Catholic church. It was it, that, that like papal decree was written before the malef- Malleus Maleficarum was published and it was just endorsing them as inquisitors of the Catholic Church, not of everything they wrote in the book, but that is how Kramer totally, like, wanted it to sound. It was place, it was there to make people think that the whole book was endorsed by the Catholic Church.
1: Yeah, and the Pope wrote that, it's called a papal bull, and the Mm -hmm. Pope wrote that just to, like, endorse them as inquisitors who were, like, out there doing their inquisitor nonsense, and, Mm -hmm. uh, but it was was printed in many editions of the Malice Maleficarium as like an intro to it. So it's basically like, Look, the Pope likes these guys. So obviously, <laughs> even though the Pope isn't citing what is actually in that text, people who read it are going to be like, Oh, well, the Pope's cool with these guys. This must be legit. <laughs> Some uh, Middle Ages sketchiness for you there. (laughs) So it went through 28 editions between 1486 and 1600. So it was a pretty widespread publication for that time period. We're going to talk about some stuff that's in it now. So it asserts that there are three elements necessary for witchcraft. Number one, the evil intention of the witch. Number two, the help of the devil. And number three, the absence of permission from God.
0: Huh. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And
1: it's divided into three sections. The first section is aimed at clergy and like kind of giving them guidelines of how to find and determine what is witchcraft. And it also tries to refute critics uh, who deny the reality of witchcraft. So like which again, that was like kind of the stance previously. Like there were a lot of people in the church who are like, well, that's not real. Like that's dumb. Mm-hmm. But this is like no. If you say witchcraft isn't we- real, you're part of the problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Uh, the second section uh, describes actual forms of witchcraft and how to remedy it. And the third section is to assist judges who are determining whether or not someone is a witch and to help in, uh, inquisitors by like removing the burden from them. So, and all of the sections have information on what is witchcraft and who is a witch within each of those sections.
0: Yeah, Kramer, the, the main author, Heinrich Kramer, he seems like a real turd. Yeah. A mean, old, sexist turd yeah yeah he did not like women <laughs> no and it really seems like he had a lot of like holdups about sex and who was having it and who and such and lots of these like freudian male fears of these witches are going to steal my member with their evil witchcraft and their painted lips
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah lots
0: lots of uh
1: fixating on women's tongues like there's a whole section on there on like why women are more prone to witchcraft and it's like because they have loose tongues Mm. Mm -hmm. yeah so both authors give examples of uh male witchcraft in the book but uh as far as documentation on historical like witchcraft trials that kramer was involved with they all involved women almost exclusively Uh, so yeah and according to some trial records that he had made during those he believed that women are in their nature corrupt and evil Mm -hmm. not specific women all (laughs) and uh yeah and and that wasn't like that weird at the time that was like semi-normal but mm-hmm. he, he really wrote about it a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah he really ratcheted up that whole original sin nonsense.
1: Yep and works on witchcraft um, even ones that were by the church um, have not entirely agreed with the Malleus Maleficarum. Uh, like we said they officially said that it wasn't the the Pope officially said it wasn't cool later, but pretty much none of the works that came after ever challenged the idea that women are more likely to be witches than men. And that has obviously persisted to this day. So,
0: yeah, it was pretty much the kind of the starting point in the spread of 200 years of persecution of marginalized people, specifically yeah. women. hmm. And I read some like really horrifying stats that in like the European witch hunting hysteria, maybe it's not the right word because I don't think it was a lot of women that were doing Well, Obviously there were some, but like, it wasn't like an exclusively women, women accusing other women thing, but like the witch hunting craze c- killed, like at the low end, they're thinking like 50,000 people in Europe, which is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. It's not good. Yeah, and actually the title, um, Malleus Maleficarum, indicates that witchcraft is a feminine concept uh, because it's a Latin uh, word. And if it was suggesting that it was either male or mixed gender, it would be Malleus Maleficarum. But it is carum with the A, which really indicates it's just
0: females. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I did listen to, there's an, ep- this book comes up often in the podcast Lore, which is a really cool like podcast on folklore, uh, specifically episode 140 kind of does a little intro on it and talks about various witch hunts. Something interesting that I saw and just when you learn about witch hunts, like i read a couple books on Salem, like I've been listening to the Lore podcast since the beginning. There really is this trend of there being a circumstance that's out of the control of people like bad weather, crop failures, disease. There's some, there's some bad circumstance. People get scared. People pick a neighbor that they don't like who doesn't have a good support system to blame for it. And, you know, they, they, do something horrible to this person and then life goes on and like there's like when it's that other form that like previous form before the Malleus Maleficarum like it wasn't good that they were like uh, picking out a person and putting them in the stocks but there was like an element of catharsis for the village it was still like a really bad thing that happened but like after the person like did their time in the stocks and got through that or like confessed to something they didn't they couldn't have done there was like catharsis for the neighborhood and like things moved on but with this whole like Witch hunting thing that was not how it went, it just kept building and building, and things got wilder and wilder. And uh, I'm not gonna lie, I was kind of seeing some modern parallels to what we've experienced in the past couple years. I protested in 2020, and I had a lot of QAnon people screaming just wild, wild stuff in my face you know, like we had a circumstance that was out of our hands and there was a lot of blaming of a certain group of people for something that nobody can control in our globalized world. And there's a lot of people like getting real weird about like sex and babies involved in it too, even though it's kind of like not where that's not like the original thing. I'll, I know in like the European witch hunting Craze. There was a lot. Uh, in addition to like you know livestock death and and crop failure, there's also things related to fertility, like uh, babies dying or people failing to conceive, was blamed on witches. But infant mortality was just super high in those days. Yeah. But that's another huge aspect of like the current QAnon stuff, where they're like accusing the Illuminati of drinking baby blood and blah blah blah. And I mm-hmm. think the vaccine makes you infertile, like because that's gonna kill you, of course. Yep. <laughs> etc i was just seeing some modern parallels in my experience
1: yeah yeah definitely that's why it's important to talk about this kind of thing because history is constantly repeating itself yeah so that's pretty much what i had on the malleus maleficarum i just wanted to give a primer uh about it if you weren't familiar with it as a document uh we're not going to go over too much of what's in it it's mostly very silly and horrible lots of condoning torture to uh figure out who is a witch. Lots of, you know, various horrible ways you can kill a witch or maim a witch. Uh, but if and- you would like to read it, if you're interested, Wistika Lovelace and Christy Jury are two pagans that have put a translated version of the Malleus Maleficarum online. It's malleusmaleficarum.org. We will link that in our show notes. Uh, And it has a really useful table of contents that you can bop around in. It has all of the various introductions that were included in uh, different versions of the publication. uh, And it's translated into uh, modern English uh, because it was written in German in the 1400s. So you couldn't read it in its
0: original text. I couldn't. Maybe you can. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, nobody here can. Well, yeah. So it's an interesting uh, introduction to basically the uh, witch persecution handbook of the uh, early modern period. Mm -hmm. Hooray. Hooray. Well, sweet. Let's move on to more cheerful stuff. Uh, We do have a little bit of promotion, self-promotion this week. Uh, Emily, tell us about your macaron box shawl pattern. My macaron box
1: shawl released this week uh which is exciting it is a crescent shawl designed for sock sets and you should get it now because (laughs) (laughs) uh it is currently five dollars and includes the lavender macaroon flavor which is a little light beginner lace version uh it would be a good first lace project if you're not uh a you haven't tried Lace yet. Uh, and it also includes the free vanilla macaron version with macaron. Sorry. Uh, that uh, is just plain garter. And it is going to have more versions in the future. But if you buy it now, the price isn't going to go up. But if you buy it later, I'm going to add a dollar every time I put a new version on there. So it but would if be you buy it now, earlier.
0: you'll get the updates for free.
1: Exactly. Um, and that, uh, shawl I talked about earlier in whips is one of the versions that's going to go in there, the cotton candy macaron. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes. You have two versions that you're working on that are going to be updated into this pattern and they're both really cute. Thanks.
1: Yeah. And I, I actually there, I will have three already done. Uh, Cause I have the caramel one done too. That one will go <laughs> up next month. So you have until next month to get it for five bucks. Uh, and there's also a free version, totally free version called the vanilla macaron. That one just has the plain garter version. And both of these things are available in my
0: Ravelry and pay hip stores. Excellent. Well, if you're looking to find us anywhere around the internet, you can just head on over to fibercoven.com and that will direct you to Emily's patterns and her merch and everything she's doing around the internet. It'll also direct you to my yarn and then also our Patreon, where we do blog posts and we have a really cool Discord server and all sorts of good stuff. We would love for you to hang out with you there and in general on the internet. So thank you so much for hanging out with us. And until next week, everyone, keep making yarn magic. Bye. Bye.